Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Huntington. And in this episode, I'm going to tell you about a website flipping story where the profit was about $12,850. And friends, this is my own story. Now, I usually don't get into the website flipping game where I buy a site, do some stuff to it, and then sell it. But this kind of happened organically. And it happened over the course of a couple years. So I'll tell you what I did. And I think for a lot of people, you've listened to several shows, which I appreciate. You maybe have listened to many dozens of hours of me talking. So, you know, I have, uh, I get a lot done. I am fairly motivated. I am not necessarily efficient, but I have a high output for deliverables and things that I'm working on. The other side of that coin is I'm uh, often lazy about certain things and I'll just ignore shit that I don't want to work on. And some of the some of the tasks that you need to do when you are working on a website aren't super exciting and it's just like down in the dirt getting your hands dirty, looking up keywords, updating content, making sure the site speeds in check and a couple of those other things, they can be very exciting, quite exciting when you're first starting out. But after a little while, like just about anything, it becomes a little routine, becomes maybe not so exciting. And there are other things, more fun things to work on. So... This is my story of kind of a a lazy website flip, and I'll go through all the expenses. There are a few estimates in here, which I'll back into and let you know how I made the estimates, and I'll also let you know about the profits, different little pieces of that. And in true Doug Show fashion, there's also some, some things that I could have kept track of a little bit closer but I did not. And I, I noticed this in my, my other podcast, Mile High Fi, where I talked to Carl Jensen about personal finance. He and his wife are doing a pretty, pretty intense budget tracking exercise this year in 2022. Now, Carl and Mindy hit financial independence something like four, almost five years ago. And they have earned even more money and their nest egg has grown even more. So they are way beyond financial independence uh, when they first tried to calculate it. So they have plenty of money and they don't really need to watch their budget. And they're also relatively frugal, but they are tracking things pretty closely. And in one conversation, Carl asked if if we keep a budget. And I said, not really. We kind of track... Our expenses, actually, my wife tracks the expenses a little more closely, but I don't really pay attention. We have dialed in sort of our consumption, so I don't go to the store and think, ah, we shouldn't get that because of X, Y, and Z. That that said, I'm relatively restrained. So if I go into the store, I'm not just buying random shit that we don't need, for example, or if I walk through Best Buy, I'm not like, oh man, I want to get this new big screen TV and new laptop and all this other stuff. So it's it's relatively under control. But the whole point here is I don't 
really enjoy keeping a very tight budget. And that sort of applies to me keeping track of everything that I spent on this website, especially when it's kind of a blended situation where maybe I have a couple of VAs that are doing multiple projects for me and I didn't break out on a project basis what they were working on. And this kind of goes back to, you know, work that I did in my consulting days when I was a project manager and we did, I mean, I tracked my whole team and there'd be, you know, whatever, 50 people and you have a budget and there's different buckets and you have to manage where time and expenses are coming from, which buckets and who is consuming them. And if that is what was estimated and there's all these pieces. So I, uh, funny enough, I actually do have the skills to manage to that level, but for what I'm trying to do, knowing those details don't really matter except for what I'm telling you the story here. And I'm like, hey, it's a little bit fuzzy, but directionally I understand what was happening. So with that said, let's get into the details. I purchased this site in December of 2019. I bought it from a student of mine and that person was basically trying to focus up someone that I had worked with in the past for a couple years and they had a site that was really taking off. It was earning, you know, a full-time income or more and they wanted to really go in deeper. So they had this other website that was smaller. It was the first website that they worked on before they took my course and before they worked with me. And there were a few mistakes that were made, but they corrected a little bit and it was earning money for several years. So I bought it for $4,000. It was earning, I think in the previous couple of years, it earned about $1,500 to $1,600 or so. And I wanted to give the student a, a fair price. It, one, one pro right, was there were virtually no backlinks. I think there were just a handful and the domain rating was like six when I bought it. And I think it was like seven or eight when I sold it two years later. This particular site only had, I think, 24 or 25 articles published. And I think it was probably 80% affiliate reviews and then a handful of informational posts. So pretty small site. It was earning a decent amount of money, maybe $125, $150 per month, pretty consistently for a few years. It did have kind of a hot period. And that was, I think, 2017 and 2018. Traffic was much higher and it actually earned a little bit more. The commission rates were a little bit higher back then too. So the site was actually earning a pretty good amount for those couple of years, but it dropped back down and the traffic dropped back down a little bit too. So last couple of years, you know, 20, uh, 2018, the end of 2018 and 2019, it sort of leveled off into that $125, $150 per month. Now, one thing that I mentioned, I wanted to make sure in all my dealings, I want to make sure that the other person 
has a good feeling about me at the end of the transaction. So I don't want anyone to think, uh, you know, Doug tricked me or I felt like I didn't have all the information and maybe I overpaid for it. I don't want anyone to feel like that. Now, if I'm buying a used car or something, you know, I want to stick it to the dealer, right? But if I'm working with someone in my audience, if I'm working with a student, I want both of us to come away and think, oh man, I got a good deal. Like that was fair. That was a great transaction. I would work with Doug again and I would tell other people that I would work with Doug and I would encourage them to do so. So with that in mind, I wasn't thinking, hey, I want to get the lowest deal and really you know, negotiate hard. I want to have a fair deal. One pro that I saw here was the fact that there wasn't any international monetization. However, about 10 to 15% of the traffic was from international sources. And uh, the majority of that 10 to 15% was from Canada and the UK. So those would monetize pretty well. And I thought, well, if I just get that in place and monetize uh, using Genius Link, or at least use Genius Link for the geo targeting, I would earn a few more bucks. Now, this uh, actually introduces us to one of the pieces of uncertainty. So I didn't have good tracking for the international revenue. So mixed in with my other sites and other earnings on international in the UK and Canada, I'm not really sure how much this individual site was earning. So I think it was around uh, 10% of the total earnings, but when I sold it, I didn't even consider it. And whoever bought it for $12,500 is probably going to get a good deal because I didn't even consider it. And that's just icing on top. And that goes back to me wanting people to have a good transaction. And that'll be great. That person got a pretty good deal. So along the way, I can tell you that I did a few things uh, on the website. I'll tell you the results first. So in 2020, the site earned a little bit more than it did in 2019. So quick refresher, in 2019, the site earned about $1,600. And then in 2020, it was 2,600. So that's a nice little increase. And then in 2021, it earned 4,000. Again, we're roughly going to assume the site earned about 10% Um, in the international Amazon associate program. So probably, you know, 250 bucks in 2020 and maybe about, uh, you know, I wrote four to 500 for 2021. Those are estimates that could be off by a little bit, but I think generally that's in the right ballpark. So some of the things that I did pretty quick were, well, this was actually a bit of a headache. So I don't like to complain too much, but I can tell you if you have a website, don't use, and you're monetizing with Amazon Associates, don't use those short URLs. If you ever sell the site or if you want to make sort of a a bigger change with tracking IDs, you run into an issue because you can't change those very easily. 
this particular site had all of the links with those little short codes from Amazon. So they work fine, but it's really hard to change them. So I had to go and change all of these individually. And, you know, it was only 25 posts, but I knew it was going to be a bit of a, a bit of a chore. I could have tried to outsource it, but I kind of wanted to get my hands dirty and go through and look at every single article, fix up the grammar, tighten things up a little bit. So I went through and I probably spent, I would say two weeks where I worked, uh, you know, maybe an hour, a couple hours a day going through working on that stuff, updating the tracking ID to my tracking ID, removing the shortened version of that URL and, you know, getting everything in order. So that did take some time and it was mind numbing. Like I said, you know, some of these things in the beginning, they're a little more exciting, but after you've done it for a little while, it's not very exciting. It's not exciting at all. And you're just really, you know, copying, pasting code back and forth and looking and saving and, oh man. Yeah. So once I got through that, things were good. And then I thought, all right, I'm going to keep it pretty simple. We're going to do a couple things here. I want to add more content. So I think I published another uh, about 12 articles or so. I wanted to get some informational content. And I also wanted to get a couple more reviews on there. Did a little keyword research and you know nothing crazy. So published a little bit more content. And then I got my VA, my executive assistant to help me out. She's skilled in you know many different areas. She didn't have any of these particular skills, but I've trained her over the last couple of years. And she helps me with you know podcast production, YouTube things, thumbnails. And I've taught her SEO and you know I've had her go through uh, my courses and stuff. So she knows what she's doing. And one of the key things that she worked on was adding FAQs and just improving the existing content. Typically, not a ton of questions were added, but she would just hop over to Google, do a quick search for the specific keyword that we were targeting there, and then add a handful of FAQs. I would say most of the time it was three to five, and that is basically what we did to increase the traffic and earnings in 2020, and that was something by like 60%. So pretty dramatic. And, you know, when you're working with smaller dollar amounts, it's easier to get, you know, a 60% increase. But I would say, I would not be surprised if you heard someone say, you know, they bought a site, actually like Adam Smith from a couple of weeks ago, he bought a site for $60,000. He made a handful of tweaks and roughly doubled the the value of the site, I think it was more like a 40% increase in revenue, but through the changes that he made and the fact that he bought it at a lower multiple and potentially could sell it at a higher multiple just because of the way the market is, it's a very viable way to uh, to work here. So we put a little time in there and it paid off uh, very well. And in 2020, I mean, Amazon even cut the commission rates. So there's a strong chance, there's a strong chance that the site would have earned closer to $5,000 in 2020. And 
I mean, the commission rates are what they are. So it's not like we can, uh, we can predict things that are going to happen in the future, but the fact is, uh, you know, more things were purchased and more traffic was on the site. Most of that activity was in the first quarter of 2020. So it took probably a month or so for some of the positive impacts to start showing up. And it probably took a few more months for everything to sort of kick in. And the retail season was was pretty good. So fast forward probably you know halfway through 2020 I got busy with a couple other things and this sort of fell off my radar so it was still consistently earning still kind of moving up in uh, some rankings and just getting a little bit more traffic to some of the existing content towards the end of the year I was contacted by a company out there uh, one of the agencies and they said hey We'll work on one of your sites for you if you want. And, you know, you just cover what we're doing and we'll give you all the stuff for free. So this is one of the estimates that I made. This uh, particular company, and if you go back in the archives, you can listen and catch up and and sort of backtrack and, and figure out what's going on. And I love it if you go download all the old episodes, you know, that's great. Check it out. But I won't mention them here. They're, they're fine, but they worked with me and they were going to do you know a 12-month push and we agreed on everything. And then about six months through, they said, hey, we don't want to do it anymore. So no, no hard feelings, you know, shit changes. Um, but, you know, with that said, um, they, they ended it sort of abruptly said, hey, we're, st- we're stopping. And it was fine. You know, like I said, no, no hard feelings. People shift uh, what they want to work on and maybe the project wasn't working out how they expected. So that's fine. Anyhow, they published 50 articles for me and there was a, you know, a little back and forth. Some of it wasn't the best um, content, especially the, I felt like many times there were fluffy intros. And this is something I complain about. You know, get started quick. You don't have to make it a long, drawn-out process here. You can get to the point a little bit faster. So it isn't very hard to trim that up. And they did take the feedback and they did a better job in the future. So they did publish uh, 50 articles over the course of about six months or so. And my VA went back to verify all the grammar. We use Grammarly Premium to make sure that things flow pretty smoothly. And then the other piece is she just added a little bit more. Uh, Here and there, she would add a little bit more content. And of course, as I mentioned again and again, adding FAQs. Now, the FAQs don't always apply. Sometimes there's only a couple that you can add. So in certain cases, she would do a little bit more research and check things out. And I think it took a while for everything to rank and age, but eventually it started to get a little traction. And in fact, if you were just looking at a monthly analytics graph or even a quarter, it may look relatively flat. 
but if you zoom out far enough, you could see that the trend line was good. Or if you, this is one of my favorite ways to look at data and and kind of see directionally where we're heading, is you compare the segment, whatever interval you're looking at, to the previous year. So that way you remove seasonality. And not all niches will have seasonality, but if you look at you know this previous quarter compared to the quarter last year, then it gives you a pretty good idea year over year what's happening. And I think that's a great way to look at data, especially when you have a pretty large set of data to look at or when you're making very small incremental increases, you have to zoom out or you really don't get a good picture about what's going on. Before we go too far, I got a few more things to tell you about, including the some of the expenses and some of the other things I incurred, but I want to give a shout out to Otis Global. That's the, the source for premium age domains and... The featured domain for today is called stuffingtonbear.com. And this is like a, one of those stuffed animal kind of deals. So it's a, a kind of a fun name. And I I think there was, um, I feel like there's a, there's a company where, oh, it's Build-A-Bear. So this is different than that, but it's on the same, you know, it's, it's named in a cute way. So this is an interesting site overall. It was, uh, it's been around for a pretty long time. So 2007, making it 15 years old. It has a domain rating of seven, so not super high, but it has 124 referring domains and a pretty, pretty excellent set of do follow domains. 92 of those has HuffPost, iHeart.com. It has AZ Central, Groupon, Fatherly.com, and many, many more. So kind of interesting. And I think you could, if, I mean, I think if you had an e-commerce brand, this kind of site would be perfect because you could sell stuffed animals or similar sort of things. Alternatively, you probably could just rebrand it into, you know, kind of a site where you have toys and other stuffed animals. And I'm not in the world of uh, stuffed animals or toys, so I can't make up too many good examples, but I have a feeling there's plenty of different affiliate programs you can get involved with. And, you know, promote those effectively. So certainly worth checking out if you happen to have a website in that area or if you have an interest in that area. If you want to join Otis Global and have an account there and use my affiliate link, you can get $100 into your account. And if you buy anything, I might get a commission, which I greatly appreciate. And thanks a lot to Otis Global. Okay, so this company published 50 articles for me. We had a little bit of feedback going back and forth. Overall, they did a pretty good job. They did take my feedback and they worked with me pretty well. I'm putting a value of $50 per article and that is about $2,500 total. So I think if you did go to an agency, you probably would be paying more than $50 an article, most likely. Not necessarily. It does depend on the agency. However, if you hired your own writers individually, there's a good chance you can get a decent thousand word article 
maybe even 1,500, 2,000 words, if you stretch it, for about 50 bucks. That probably would include some editing and some other touches. So about $2,500 on that content. I also mentioned having my VA work on all the content. So it wasn't a huge amount of time, and I estimated that to be about $500 total. So over the course of the several months, that's how much I estimated. It could be off a little bit. Again, this is, again, one of those cases where I have my executive assistant doing a variety of things on a variety of different projects, and there's not a there's not very much value for me to understand how much time she's spending on individual products, products, projects, unless one is sort of skewing out of control. So I have a general idea, but I didn't track it to a project level because there's a little value for me to do that. So when we put everything together here, I spent some money on content. I I spent, oh, and you know what? I I forgot. I probably spent about, uh, I would say, $500 on the initial work that I did. So that was about eight posts or so, plus a little bit of the updates that my VA would make. So 100% forgot about that. So that is another expense in there. But overall, here's what we're looking at. So the initial work that I did in early 2020, adding eight articles, fixing things up. I didn't charge for my time, of course. Um, That would have been fairly fairly expensive. But let's say I put it in about 10 to 20 hours with the early transition. My VA worked on it a little bit throughout the couple years, about $500 or so if I had to put a dollar amount on it. And then the company, the agency put about $2,500 worth of content. And I earned $2,600 in 2020 and about $4,000 in 2021. There was probably uh, maybe $750 more in international revenue I didn't track it very well, so I won't count it. And I sold the site to someone on my email list for $12,500 a couple weeks ago. And I think the person got a pretty good deal. You know, I'm, I'm hoping because the site was consistently ranking, never had any issues with an algorithm update. I'm hoping he or she won't have any issues with it at all. I think the person got a pretty good deal in general, as I mentioned earlier. I'm not trying to squeeze out the highest multiple. And in fact, as I'm looking at my notes here, when I was looking at uh, just all the details, I didn't even go back and track and note the multiple. Like I Now that I'm saying it out loud, I know some people are like, Doug, you got to keep track of shit a little bit closer. But it just, you know, uh, one month of multiple more or less or even a couple is really not super important to me. It's interesting on paper. It's interesting uh, when you're telling a story, but, you know, 
you can go back and calculate it. It's very easy. But since I'm recording this, uh, I'm, I'm just not even interested. So one cool thing, and actually I'm, I'm curious what people think of that. So if you do have an opinion on it, uh, do let me know feedback at Doug.show. So we closed the deal pretty fast. Um, not too many people looked at it. I thought a lot more people might be interested because this is kind of in the sweet spot of not too expensive. So I, you know, I bought it for $4,000 and it's, you know, a chunk of money, but it didn't completely break the bank. And I know there are many, many people in the audience who are tech professionals or people that have a pretty good cash flow. They have great salaries and they are able to swing a, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars to buy a website. And it, you know, that's a lot of money, but they do have it and they're able to pay for it. So I thought this could be in the sweet spot where some people just really wanted to get it going. It was totally okay because I wasn't in a hurry. I was just thinking, you know what, it could be good to get this off my plate. And I bet someone could do a lot more with it that has the attention and they have the the motivation to put more effort into it than me. And that's why that was one of the main things to sell it. I mean, of course, it frees up the brain space. I can use the money to invest in another website. But really, someone else could do a little bit more with it just by putting some effort into it. Every time I did something with the website, it reacted very positively. So I decided that I was going to sell it, sent it out to my email list a couple of times. And I think maybe two people actually looked very seriously and one of those people purchased it. So one cool thing with the fact that I have the podcast and I have YouTube and, and people know me is they trust me. That's a very good quality, I think. <laughs> so when I've sold websites in the last couple years here, even uh, some over six figures, they just wire me the money. We don't deal with escrow. I have a, you know, I don't sell a ton of sites, but I have, you know, my list of things that I'm going to work on and the transition is fairly straightforward and I lay it out like, you know, here's what's going to happen and then you'll get access to this. And then, you know, I send over details and you send the money and usually we do like half up front and then half after the observation period, which was five days in this case. So fairly straightforward, you know, I got half up front wired to my account. And then I got the information and gave all the account access over to the new owner. And then after a few days, they sent the rest of the money. I pushed the domain transaction complete. So fairly straightforward. And, you know, I think that is one of the big values of, you know, me doing the podcast and, you know, talking to so many people over, over the years, there's a level of trust that, you know, if you're buying a site on Flippa and you can't find any information about the person, they don't exist on LinkedIn, they have no footprint in the world, you don't even know who you're dealing with. And that's how potentially you can get scammed. So this is my story of a very reasonable website flip. It was pretty casual. 
I didn't put too much time into it after the initial transition and it was pretty fun to work on. So I hope the new owner has great luck with it. I think just, you know, adding more content, maybe doing some outreach and link building can be helpful. But I mean, the fact is it's been consistently earning without much of a domain rating, without many backlinks, without much authority. And I think if there's more effort put in that spot, then I, th- I think a lot a lot of good things could happen. Now, last thing I'll leave you with here is around mistakes that I made or maybe things that I would do a little differently. And most of the time, it comes down to this. Every time I put effort into the site, it got more traffic and positive things happened. It got more traffic and it earned more money. So I think there's a solid chance that if I just would have consistently worked on the site, even in a small way, it would have earned more money. It would have gotten a little more traffic and earned more money. The, I mean, I, I believe in link building and promoting your site, but I did very little to none of that. I think maybe the company that I worked with had some guest posts published. I don't think they were very high quality. I think it was more like content farm type sites. Not 100% sure, but I didn't notice much coming out of that, at least not in the short term. And honestly, when you're doing a link building campaign, I think you got to do it for a little while. And when I, you know, look at the metrics, I mean... They didn't change that much. Now, that doesn't mean that the metrics that we see on Hrefs or Moz or wherever are fully accurate as far as providing the quality of the backlinks or anything. But in this case, yeah, I, I don't put much into the backlinks that it got from that particular service. So, I think I did get a couple backlinks from uh, Kyle Claver, if I remember right, maybe just a couple. And those seem to be, you know, a little bit higher quality. And the thing is, it was only like two or three. So that is, I'm I'm reaching back pretty far in my memory. So I, I don't remember exactly, but that does, that does ring a bell. So I think the biggest mistake was just not continuously putting effort into it. And when I say that, it doesn't have to be like a massive amount of effort as I work on things and look at, you know, when I'm successful in all many different areas, a lot of times it's just very slow progress. It's just a little bit of effort, but it's consistent over time. And that really seems to add up. So I don't think I had to do like a a big, you know, publish 500 articles in a year or anything like that. But if I just published, you know, two, three, four new articles per month, it would have been in a much different place than, you know, just letting it sit and not doing anything else with it. The other thing, the other perhaps opportunity for the new owner is there were no display ads on this site. So there's a lot more informational content after I worked on it a bit. There are some opportunities. Now, there's not a huge amount of traffic, but 
it is uh, potentially a site where you could earn some money from display ads. So again, it may not be a huge amount, but it could be something where, and I'm just making up numbers, but it could be a site where you earn per month. And that represents a pretty solid percentage increase. You know, we're talking 15, 30%, something like that, depending on the month. But I would not be surprised, especially during the retail season, if display ads bring in a considerable amount and enough to you know, make, make this a great investment for the new owner. So I knew I was leaving money on the table by not putting display ads on, but knowing that a new owner can look at that as an opportunity and think, well, I am getting a pretty good deal here. It's not a horrible thing to leave money on the table like that. Again, I'm not, uh, I'm not a website flipper kind of dude. So your mileage may vary. You may want to take a different approach than me, but that's the way I viewed it. And I think it's a great opportunity for the new owner. Let me know what you think. You could shoot me an email feedback at doug.show. It was, uh, you know, it was a good experience overall. And we have a story now and it's not as huge as some of the ones we see, but this is a very realistic one. This is a very approachable one. I bought the site for $4,000. That potentially could be what you're getting back for your tax refund if you are you know, fortunate to get you know, a tax refund or something like that. Or maybe you've been saving up to buy a site. You know, 4,000 bucks is very approachable and it's not you know, gonna break the bank and it's a great way to, to maybe dip your toe into this to start leveling up. So, if you were to do it and you had a similar experience as me and then you sold a site that you bought for 4k and now you have 12,000 that you can buy another site with and keep leveling up again and again and you learn things along the way you realize oh I should have put ads on there oh I should have continually put some effort or maybe done a little bit more link building so that's it for today Have a great afternoon or morning or whatever time of the day it is. Uh, For me right now, it is uh, about beer o'clock. So I'm going to go grab a beer and uh, get some some of the meat off the smoker that's been rolling for a couple hours here. So we'll catch you on the next episode.